This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. I'm Chanae Ogwumike. I'm Lisa Leslie, and we're very excited to tell you about our new podcast with Blue Wire, front and center. Lisa and I are breaking down what's going on in our lives, in the world, and keeping it 100. We're also learning from amazing guests as well, like Emmanuel Acho. People that show love to me, I forever got their back. Vivica A. Fox. If the foundation isn't right, then the rest of it's going to go wrong from there. And more. Subscribe to Front and Center today. Hello, flamethrowers. It's Shireen here. So excited to be captaining this ship this week with Lindsay and Brenda. We have an amazing show, including a discussion on politics, athletes, political athletes, and athletes and politics. There's probably not another president I can think of in Brazilian history besides Jair Bolsonaro, who has used athletes more Lindsay's got an interview with Jenny Gilder, co-owner of the Seattle Storm, the 2020 WNBA champs. That interview drops on Thursday. And as usual, you'll hear the burn pile and us uplifting amazing people. But before we start, I have a very important question for my amazing co-hosts. Tree. What is your favorite tree? (laughs) Brenda, it's fall. You know how much I love fall. Tell me about your tree well um i have two seasonal trees neither of which are fall trees the peach tree which i think is really beautiful and i have one and one of those blue spruce christmas trees i love those i have them in my yard and sometimes i just like stand under them and smell but i also just before if we're talking about trees i really want to give a shout out to the squirrels I have learned (laughs) through remote schooling that trees have a lot to thank those amped up squirrels for. You know that squirrels steal acorns from each other and so they rebury them. That's why they're so frantic. They steal. It's like stashes. And then they forget where they are. So like the eastern gray squirrel forgets over half of the nuts it buries. And as a result, there's like entire forest regeneration. They're wow. doing they're doing the work. Yeah. Yeah, like yeah. I always just thought there was a high anxiety life. I didn't realize there was like yeah. stress behind it. Yeah. Wow. Serious um, stress. Len Lens? Sorry. <laughs> 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 um, I'm trying to Squirrel's take this as seriously as Shireen would like me to. Um, and I don't know that I can. Um, obviously big fan of trees. They're they do the oxygen thing. I like that. You know, I'm here in North Carolina, so I'd say maybe the flower, the dogwood trees that are so beautiful in the spring. And then, you know, in D.C., of course, the cherry blossoms. 
neither one of these are fall trees either, but I think that's fine because this is ridiculous. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I, I love them. I love autumn. And I love the color of the red right outside my door. There's a beautiful maple that's red leaves. My actual favorite tree, clearly, is the Japanese maple. Clearly. Those- I've always <laughs> suspected, you know, but I, I'm glad you confirmed. As if there was a doubt. And I actually really have this secret obsession with Christmas, which you all know. And it's I not love- a secret. It's not a secret. It's not a secret. And and I really love Brenda also, blue spruce Christmas trees and the way that German tradition lights candles, individual candles on. But it's a huge fire hazard and I'm not going to actually try it. Anyways, take away from this, trees are good. All right. Well, in case anyone uh, has forgotten, a week from today, the day the episode drops is election day in the United States. Incumbent Donald Trump and Vice President Mike Pence, who apparently has another coronavirus outbreak in his office, are running against Joe Biden and Kamala Harris on the Democratic ticket. And I think it's safe to say that stakes are high, tensions are high. It is hard to sleep right now. I am currently in North Carolina, which is a swing state. That means There are political ads for either the Senate race between Cal Cunningham and Tom Tillis and the presidential race everywhere. I opened my mom's mailbox. It hadn't been opened in a few weeks. Literally political flyers just fell out. It was just like, it was like one of those clown cars. It was like, how many of these can fit in here? It's just absolutely ridiculous. But, you know, unfortunately, it's all I can think about. And so we're going to talk about it in this podcast today but through the lens of athletes. Because, look, this is something that touches everyone, and it touches all over the world. And while everything about this feels new and more stressful, we all know that politics is not new and that athletes getting involved in politics is certainly nothing new and certainly not unique to the United States. It's certainly not unique to the United States. In Latin America, athletes' support for candidates, support for processes has a pretty long history. When this pod will drop, it's not only a week away from the U.S. election, but it will be three days after Chileans go to the polls to determine if they'll have a new constitution altogether, which is amazing and totally revolutionary in terms of the region. Also in Brazil, you have a long history of athletes and clubs, full clubs, coming out in support of not only particular candidates, but also in support of the democratic process itself. So the most famous case with the, you know, you couldn't set the names up good enough is Socrates, who played for Corinthians. Love, absolute legend. He and his team started the democracy, like, yeah, kind of campaign, which famously was a referendum against the dictatorship in Brazil, which had been in place between 1964 and 1985. He actually wanted, at the direct elections now campaign, he wanted so much for the presidential elections to be held that he said if they didn't, he was going to leave and go play in Italy. Um, Actually, it failed and he left for Florence. So long history there. 
currently, there's probably not another president I can think of in Brazilian history besides Jair Bolsonaro who has used athletes more in terms of normalizing and legitimizing his his rule, his his extreme right government, which shows contempt for women, LGBTQ+, Black Brazilians, poor Brazilians, especially abled Brazilians, immigrants. He has constantly worn, there's whole Twitter threads of the different kinds of club shirts that he has worn. And while Marta has not endorsed him, there are other hallowed players like Ronaldinho, Rivaldo, Zico, younger ones like Lucas Moura and Allison who have come out and, and thrown their full support behind this person who seemingly you ask yourself, like, why? Why these are athletes of color? These have come from poor places. Why would they support a person like this? And, you know, there's a lot of reasons. It's a lot more nuanced than one might think. They live outside of Brazil. And we might find this when we talk about these other athletes in these other places right now, that they don't have to experience actually living under this person's rule. They get to be abroad. They do most of their work abroad. They want to protect their wealth. They want to protect security. So a lot of times they have things more in common with the Brazilian elite, even though they may have grown up, you know, in a different class position. Yeah, that uh, is really relevant to, I'm going to segue into Turkey now and talk about some athletes who are very pronounced. First, of course, being Mesut Ozil. I want to say Arsenal squad member, but he wasn't actually listed on the 2020-2021 roster and formerly of the German national team. Mesut Ozil, forget about endorsing, Turkish president Recep Erdogan was Mesut's best man at his wedding. He was actually his best man. Now, I mean, there's a lot of conversations that's quite complex with Mesut Ozil, who is a third-generation German national of Turkish descent and very, very connected to Turkey. And he actually stated, after the whole debacle with the German national team, which he quit, he said, quote, I am German when we win, but I am an immigrant when we lose. And after you all remember the 2018 horrible World Cup performance where Germany just did a horrible job, later announced he would never be playing for Germany again. So some might think it could be due to an, he's a very outspoken critic of the slaughter of Uyghur Muslims in China and that it was related to all this stuff in the industry that is football. But at the end of the day, you've got somebody who isn't actually living full time in that place, supporting a very polarizing political leader. But not all athletes are big Erzogen fans. And Boston Celtics, Ines Cantor, is a staunch and vocal opponent of Erdogan, who was head of the AK party. Now, Ines Cantor is a Gulenist. A Gulenist is someone, and just stick with me here, who follows Fetaullah Gulen. And the feud between the Gulenists versus the Turkish government, who are the ruling AK party, began in 2013 after a civil dispute in Turkey regarding Gulen's criticism of a violent handling at Gezi Park. And essentially, the AK party accused the Gulenists of trying to destabilize the government. And so the government responded with armed measures and reforming judiciary and political forces and police forces. And so major criticism had been made of Erdogan and judicial independence and authoritarianism in Turkey. Now, this is key. So Cantor is a Gulenist, and Erdogan has been critiqued globally for the lack of press freedom and social media mobilization that's allowed in Turkey. And according to a 2017 report from Amnesty International, the Committee to Protect Journalists 
Turkey is the highest jailer of journalists in the world. And this is not a surprise to anybody. So with regards to Cantor, and I'm quoting from a Vox article by Jen Kirby here, it's personal for Cantor as he and his family have been singled out by the Turkish government. But his story is also part of a larger crisis unfolding in Turkey, where after a 2016 failed coup that tried to remove him from office, Erdogan has consolidated power and purged perceived political opponents in the judiciary, police, and public sector. And he's jailed thousands of civil servants, journalists, and other dissidents. And this is scary because we think of Turkey being more progressive considering where it is geographically, but geopolitically, no. Now, Ines Kanter is very, very vocal about this and has actually said, Turkish government is very famous for hunting down people who talk about the government and Erdogan. That's why I was scared of his long arms. So as we see, there is no one shoe that fits. And I would love to see a debate between Mesut Ozil and Ines Kanter, which is never going to happen. And just for those that want to know, Ines Kanter's national citizenship was revoked. And so he's basically stateless until he becomes an American citizen. Lindsay? Yeah, I mean, I think it's important to, we talk so much about, or I specifically talk so much about athletes in the United States and the pressure on them to speak up politically. And right now it's pretty much if athletes aren't speaking out against Trump, you know, they're thought less of, (laughs) um, well, by a certain segment of the audience, including myself. And But it's important to remember that in the United States, while we certainly do not have a true democracy and certainly have a long way to go when it comes to equality, that right now we have not reached full authoritarianism, at least not yet. So the stakes aren't as high as they are for some athletes in other countries. I mean, in the burn pile for a couple of weeks, we talked about what was happening to Yelena Luchenka, the Belarusian basketball star who was part of the athletes that were leading protests against President Alexander Lukashenko's completely stolen election, how he stole the election there, and she was put into jail for 15 days because of that. Like, her celebrity status was used against her, and they put her in jail as a warning to other athletes to speak out. And I think, you know, that's important perspective to remember, you know, Part of what we're fighting for here in the United States is uh, the ability to keep fighting and continue to have the freedom to fight. I'm just going to segue from this part when we're on this part of the world. Talk about Khabib Nurmagomedov, who actually the UFC fighter who announced his retirement on Saturday after winning against Justin Gaethje at UFC 25. So Nurmagomedov has known ties to the leader of Chechnya, Ramzan Kadyrov. Both men claim to be very observant Muslims. And I think this is a really this is where I'm going with this. And in 2018, Nurgomadov was actually made an honorary citizen of Chechnya, and Kedarov gifted him a Mercedes. Kedarov runs a state-sponsored gym and has very close ties to the MMA world. And he runs a state-sponsored gym named after his late father, Ahmet Fight Club, that's what it's called, from where Megomed Bibulatov. He is an Ahmet Jim alum and Zubera Turgogov. They actually are Chechen. So there's a notable presence in the MMA from Chechnya. Kadyrov is also alleged to have killed many in the queer community in a horrific roundup shortly after which Nurgomadov posted in a photo with him. And the Kremlin-backed leader of Chechnya has actually been accused of creating a very 
horrible black hole of human rights abuses in that country. And for Nurmagomedov to really be centered as this Muslim hero, and I'm seeing this all over social media. And a couple months ago, I actually threw his comments on the burn pile about how misogynistic he was in his attitude towards women in the MMA generally. Brenda. In terms of pressure on athletes to support or not support particular candidates, I can't think of anyone who had a tougher time than than Jackie Robinson. I mean, so much pressure on him following his very important leadership role in the civil rights movement. He was so active and out there and upfront. So a ton of pressure. And his case also provides us with a sense of how nuanced things can be. Robinson famously endorsed Nixon when he ran against Kennedy, which attracted a ton of critics. It still does. People sort of flippantly mention that and say like, oh, wow, well, think of what, you know, as if he made this huge mistake. And Robinson didn't feel as though Kennedy and the Democrats were committed enough to civil rights. And really, here's where history whispers that he was 100% right. I mean, still Nixon, blech, right? But Robinson also works for Nelson Rockefeller and the Republican Party at various points, uses Robinson whenever they can. And it's interesting because... You can see Jackie Robinson's frustration. You can see that he's feeling criticism from the black community and that, you know, maybe there's no perfect option out there. And so these are really, really tough choices. In the end, famously in 1968, he cuts ties with Nixon and goes out for um, Hubert Humphreys, who is a more progressive candidate on civil rights. But also it's really important to recognize that Robinson was right. There wasn't any perfect choice for a presidential candidate on the topic of civil rights. When we look back, JFK's record isn't particularly wonderful, even if his rhetoric is better and his public image is certainly more likable and charismatic. Lens. Yeah, I think it's it, that's a very important point that none of this is straightforward sometimes, especially when looking backwards as it as it seems it should be. There's been kind of a a group of former black football players, I mean Herschel Walker supporting Donald Trump. Herschel Walker was brought out at the Republican National Convention to, to be able to tell everyone that Trump is not racist. I mean, You've, of course, had Dennis Rodman. I think Terrell Owens has even said at times. I mean, this is not, of course, Tiger Woods has um, been good friends with Trump and played golf with him and received the Medal of Freedom from him. So even when it comes to black men in positions of power, there's been some strange uh, choices, especially considering how Trump uses black male athletes in particular as, you know, punching bags in order to rile up racism and hatred in his base. And that's really hard to see. But of course, people identify with different parts of their identities at different times and at different times when things are convenient for them. And you certainly see 
a bunch of <laughs> powerful former football players. It is certainly not just Herschel Walker. And I mean, very few of these are black men. I mean, the most high profile example right now is what we're seeing from the white former quarterback, uh, Brett Favre. And his consistent teaming with Trump on all things. And I just like, I don't understand how seeing how Trump has treated your colleagues, current and former, you could go about partnering with him on things. You could go about endorsing him. You could go about supporting him. But here we are. And of course, we all remember back to, you know, the 2016 election when both Tom Brady and Bill Belichick tried to kind of play it coy with whether or not they were endorsing Trump. Tom Brady had his Make America Great Again hat in his locker, just kind of hanging there. Bill Belichick wrote a letter to Trump that Trump then read out loud at a rally the day before Election Day in 2016. But Belichick was all, well, I'm not officially endorsing him. So, you know, you see how Trump is more than willing to exploit these relationships with those in the athlete community to use as cover for the way he treats black athletes. And it's uh, pretty sickening to see anyone give him any cover for that. But it's happening. And just from that point, we've also seen a tradition start to be incredibly more scrutinized of White House visits by teams, which has been a storied tradition for champions of various leagues to go visit with the head of the greatest country on earth, or what is that old saying? But I think that it's important that there is critique of this. I wrote a piece for Vice about the Pittsburgh Penguins were the 2017 champs, led by Sidney Crosby, who is Canadian. And part of the system and problem of this was the excuse that Crosby made was, well, actually, I'm Canadian, so I don't need to get involved because systems of racism end at the border. Sidney Crosby is actually from an incredibly known community in Canada called Cole Harbor in Dartmouth, Nova Scotia, where race riots made national headlines not too long ago. So for him to argue that issues of police brutality and racial injustice that are, you know, in crisis in the United States aren't a problem in Canada, well, sorry, that's not going to work. So I think that happens quite a bit, was that Canadian athletes feel like they don't have an invested say in this, and that's a huge problem. 2017 NBA champions Minnesota Lynx also did not visit the White House. Um, in 2018, Sue Bird, uh, champions that year of the WNBA, said, quote, Seattle Storm have not received an invitation from President Donald Trump to visit the White House. The new WA champs have no interest in going, even if one is extended. And her partner and, you know, I will liberally say Megan Rapina, also a soon to be burn it all down fan, has actually been quoted famously to say, I'm not going to the fucking White House. <laughs> In 2019, the WNBA champs, the Mystics, didn't even receive an invitation, while the Washington Nationals accepted and went after winning the World Series, as did the NHL's Washington Capitals, that year's Stanley Cup champs. Um, the NBA champs skipped the visit in 2017 and actually instead met with President Barack Obama in an unofficial and lovely visit. Brian. Yeah, I'm taken back as just to talk about Barack Obama and the difference it makes to have, you know, a black presidential candidate and the ways in which athletes 
feel like they're connected and step up. I remember in 2008 when LeBron James hosted a free concert by Jay-Z in Ohio, which was such an important state in that election. And I understand there's like waves and generations of this, but I feel like it really launched for LeBron's generation a kind of awareness of the power of that platform in terms of campaigning. You know, of course, there's been tons of athlete protests that we cover all the time and Amira and Lindsay and Shereen, you're always doing it. But I also feel like this is a slightly different topic when you officially link yourself with a candidate and that that sort of sparked a a kind of generational, I don't know, awareness, LeBron's leadership on that particular campaign trail. Yeah, and I've been inspired by how I've seen female athletes more involved in the endorsements and not that they haven't been involved politically before because we all know women in sports are on the front lines, but I do believe that they are being taken more seriously as people with power that can be harnessed to use politically. I think that helps that we're seeing more women running for office. We saw Megan Rapinoe's endorsement of Elizabeth Warren during the primaries was treated in a way I don't think I've ever seen endorsement from a female athlete treated. Elizabeth Warren picking up a big endorsement today from Megan Rapino, the soccer star and social activist who was I mean, Warren you know, rolled out this huge campaign video about the phone call when Rapino told her that she was giving her the official endorsement. And there was just something so powerful about that because, like I said, I'm not used to seeing, first of all, You know, it's still, unfortunately, rare to see a woman have a serious shot at becoming a presidential nominee. And it's, you know, we don't take the power that female athletes have seriously enough, and certainly men in sports often don't, in order to leverage that and to use their popularity to help the political process. And it's such a, the marriage makes so much sense because female athletes are so inherently political as we talk about on the show all the time. And on that note, you know, in the interview this week, you'll be able to hear my talk with Jenny Gilder, the co-owner of The Storm, about why the Seattle Storm as an organization decided to officially endorse Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. And that's something that we really haven't seen from teams. And it just makes sense that it's a women's pro sport team that is taking this leap. But you also had during the WNBA season, you know, the Say Her Name campaign was the primary focus. But underneath everything were WNBA players getting people to the polls and harnessing the power of the vote. And nowhere was that more apparent than when... Kelly Leffler, the senator from Georgia and co-owner of the Atlanta Dream, used the WNBA players and their Say Her Name and Black Lives Matter campaign in order to try and gain political points. And she just shat all over them and their ideals and their beliefs. And the WNBA players responded by not only refusing to say Leffler's name for the remainder of the WNBA season, But they officially endorsed her opponent, Reverend Warnock. And Reverend Warnock, really, he made videos with these players. He announced, you know, how much fundraising he got because of their support. And their support of him on ESPN, ESPN2, wearing those Vote Warnock shirts, that really catapulted. I think that was a big part of his 
race of raising awareness for who he was. And once again, it was exciting to see female athletes use their power in this way. And it was exciting to see a candidate take them seriously enough to do that. So as we sit here in the United States, I know not everyone listening here is in the United States, but this is where I am and this is where my head is now. You know, as we sit here um, on this precipice, let's do what we do at this show all the time and let's follow the lead of women in sports and of these leaders and of those, you know, particularly in the WNBA and harness our collective power to get out and vote. I know you all are getting voting PSAs everywhere, but I feel like I wouldn't be doing my job if I didn't use my platform to echo that sentiment and to tell everyone that this is not a perfect choice. There is no pure good in this political system, but in order to move forward, vote, and, you know, let's just say it, vote for Joe and Kamala. This week's interview is Lindsay chatting with Jenny Gilder, co-owner of the 2020 WNBA champions, the Seattle Storm, and on Storm's endorsement of presidential candidate Joe Biden. How do we use this amazing platform of the Seattle Storm to promote the values that we as an organization have, certainly we individually have, and get out our point of view, because if we can make a difference at all, we want to. Mind you, you know, the players already had started before that with Black Lives Matter, and we had already made the decision that we were backing them, backing them even if the league wasn't going to back them. And we made that clear to the league. So this is just another step in the, you know, kind of the progression of, of who we are. That interview drops on Thursday. Okay, so even though sports had a break, your business didn't. Well, it's true. Our podcast did not have a break, right? Even when sports were off. Right, Jess? Yeah, we just kept going. <laughs> kept going with the newsletter, <laughs> kept going with the podcast. We had to keep moving, and that made hiring more important than ever. And thank goodness, Indeed is Indeed here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. This would have been super helpful as we've been um, kind of hiring producers to burn it all down. I've been getting some help with the Power Plays newsletter and really realizing how stressful hiring can be. <laughs> like, I don't know that I fully understood before, especially in these times when you can't meet people face-to-face, -face, really everything needs to be done digitally. So the great thing about Indeed is that you only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts, which I love. Right now, Indeed is offering Burn It All Down listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. That is amazing. So you want to try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is Indeed. <laughs> Their best offer available anywhere. <laughs> Bren, what's that address? What is it? What is it? Indeed.com slash blue wire. Now you repeat it. Indeed.com slash blue wire. Very good. <laughs> Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through December 31st. 
2020. I'm sorry I didn't have it up. I told you to stay with me. I told you to stay I know. With I was me. trying. I was trying. <laughs> I know. I was like, that was one of those where I was like, oh, I'm so glad I didn't get called on. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Uh, let's see. Mine is... Oh, fuck. I knew it, that I would be the worst at this, right? All right, don't laugh. That's the worst way to prep me. Now I'm going to try what? not to laugh. Tell me not but to I laugh. Know. That makes I me know. want I'm to laugh sorry. just because you I'm said that. Sorry. Okay. Okay. As an historian, I'm really bad at predicting the future. So I rarely bet, to be honest. I'm better at, you know, thinking about things that have already happened. Do either of you bet? I do not. I am a coward and I am really worried about losing. So I, I, I don't do it. I've done the slots and stuff and played a little bit of cards like in Vegas and it did not go well. It did not go well. But no, I do not bet on sports because I have enough emotions already. Yeah, in Vegas, I just tried to like look like I was playing the slots enough to get the free drinks. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. But now I don't have to go to Vegas because there's bet online. Uh, whether it's games, spreads, and totals to team players and coaching props, bet online gives you a lot of options to wager more than anywhere else. And you can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, divisions, and championship futures anytime that you want. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Also, don't forget to use the promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. And maybe if you can figure it out, you can let me know what it really means to have an over-under. Now on to everyone's favorite segment, the burn pile. Lindsay, what are you torching this week? All right, look, I hate to even say, well, either of these people's names, <laughs> but uh, this week, former Fox Sports Radio host and current contributor to the Clay Travis blog, Outkick the Coverage, Jason Whitlock, or Jason Shitlock, isn't that what you call him, Brenda? <laughs> yes. <laughs> He did a one-on-one lengthy interview with President Donald Trump. Because why not? He praised Trump for bringing a Big Ten college football back, which Trump did not. And Jason Whitlock, who is black, but has long spoken out against black athletes and their uh, political power and progressive issues, discussed the president's relationship with the black community, saying... Antifa is the modern-day KKK. Whew! They are a domestic terrorist organization. They are doing things that they say are for the benefit of black people, but they are not benefiting black people. Shitlock continued. And Trump, of course, agreed with this. I just would like to say that Jason Whitlock and Clay Travis and everyone at OutKick has made their careers now made this website out of the idea that politics don't belong in sports (laughs) and then they publish an exclusive interview with the president right before an election on their website do you not see the problem here if this is not once again 
an example that these people don't want politics out of sports. They want our politics out of sports. They want progressive politics out of sports. Then this is this is what it is. So I just want to throw the entire Outkick website and Jason Whitlock's interview with Trump and of course Trump and just all of that onto the burn pile. Burn. Burn. Oh, I was muted. Sorry. Burn. I'm going to go next. We all know that the Fédération de Football Française, the FFF, is racist and xenophobic. We know this. Now, Noël Ducrat has been a regular on our burn pile. We know he's a twat waffle. First, he went on national television in real time and denied that racism is a thing that exists in French football. And franchement, Noël, you don't get to use black and brown bodies of your national teams winning world championships and pretend that you aren't an asshole. The New York Times released a piece on toxic culture last week, and now the FFF has commissioned an external report to investigate the senior leadership team for allegations of sexism and bullying. Well, they don't need a fucking report. That place is bubbling with xenophobia and systems of oppression. We actually know this. Now, starting with the deliberate and intentional exclusion of Muslim women from playing. So... Yes, do your investigation, do your report. In the meantime, there are so many people who are absolutely affected by horrible policies. And as they say in French, allez-vous faire foutre. That actually means fuck you in French. Just so you guys know. Burn. 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 All right, I'm next. And I've got a, a quickie. We can just sear through this. The Barcelona wunderkind Ansu Fadi has had some amazing starts for Barcelona recently. And Spanish journalist Salvador Sostres came out and wrote about how wonderful they were comparing Ansu Fadi to a young black street vendor running away from the police through the Catalan city's streets. He's a 17-year-old black Spaniard. What are you doing, Salvador Sostres? I mean, this is a place where young black men are constantly characterized as criminals. And so Ansu Fadi, that's what comes to your mind when you see a super talented young black man that he reminds you of a thief running away from a street vendor? Um, that's and And how did the editor that just got right past them, right? So I want to burn um, Spanish media and the way that they talk about an incredibly talented child, the way that they characterize him and what lack of care they have for the racism that is so prevalent in Spain. So burn. 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 On to an uplifting segment of Torch Bearers of the Week. Linz, can you get us started with our firecracker? Our firecracker of the week is Dutch runner Safan Hassan, who earlier this month set a new European record for the women's 10,000 meters, 29 minutes and 36.67 seconds in rainy conditions, beating Paula Radcliffe's 2002 mark by more than 24 seconds. Bren, can you tell us about our marshmallow roaster? Absolutely. Saskatchewan's Emma Ray Dale, 22, is the first woman on the roster of a Canadian junior football team. She plays for the Saskatoon Hilltops. Lindsay, tell us about our sun saluters. 
South Korean golfer extraordinaire Seung Kim won her first major title at the KPMG Women's PGA Championship with a tournament record 14 under par 266. And Brenda, can you tell us about both trailblazers? Our trailblazers are former Canadian women's national team player Kaylin Kyle is the first woman to become a color commentator for La Liga in North America. She called the Atletico Madrid versus Celta Vigo last weekend for BN Sports USA. And speaking of calling, Jessica Mendoza is calling the World Series for ESPN Radio and is the first woman to serve as an analyst. Can I get a drum roll, please, or a very Olympic hymn? <laughs> that, that just sounded like slapping. I, looking for my drum. I thought that was in response to the Olympic hymn. <laughs> That's fine. Our torchbearer of the week is Manchester United, an English national team player, and person extraordinaire Marcus Rashford for his advocacy of child poverty and nutritional health for children in the UK. He has elevated the issue of child food poverty and made it his own personal cause as someone who had relied on the state-funded lunches as a young lad that were recently opposed by government and Boris Johnson's government in the UK. We do not deserve Marcus Rashford, and Boris Johnson certainly does not. Tell me what's good, Lindsay. Tell me what's good. Okay, so this is going to start out weird, but I actually (laughs) feel really sick and gross right now. And the reason is because my cousin had a cookout yesterday, which involves something else good in a minute. But uh, he had worked really hard, like he had, you know, um, was hosting and he's serving burgers and brats. And I have not been eating meat, but... I also, when I just stopped eating meat, I was like, you know, I'm not going to be an asshole about it. Like the main thing I want to do is not purchase meat myself. So I ate what was being served and I feel terrible. And that is good because I've kind of liked this vegetarian lifestyle. And I think my fear was I'm going to take a bite of meat and love it so much that I'm just going to go back, you know, like it's going to be hard for me to go back. That's not the case. So yay me wanting to continue to eat vegetarian. And also at this cookout, though, I got to meet his baby, seven months old. And so I got to hold and play with a seven-month-old baby. And she's so precious. So um, a lot of my cousins are right now having babies or just giving birth. And it is very, very exciting. Um, Yay. That's so awesome. And Brenda's probably so excited. We have another vegetarian on the team. (laughs) Must love that. I'm going to go next and talk about Football People Festival from FAIR was on last week, and I was lucky enough to be asked to be on a panel. Brenda also was amazing on her panel, Jessica Slade. And I actually just want to say that I love everybody, but I feel like my panel was, like, the most fun. (laughs) It was me and Musa and Marion and John, who are activists and brilliant, brilliant speakers in their own right. Marion is in Mexico City, John's in the UK, and Musa's in Berlin, and I love them all dearly. And I have a huge crush on Musa, which is no surprise to anybody, and he almost made me cry in the panel when he said that Burn It All Down was a gold standard of all sports podcasts. So that was lovely. Um, I'm a little bit obsessed and I went down a rabbit hole on TikTok with a song that if you're South Asian or have been to a South Asian wedding or party, you know this song. It's called Sardiga Lee. Martin, cue that up. 
I just, we can keep it on. I love it so much. Now, what I didn't realize, this is actually a TikTok phenomenon. And now footballers are using this as part of their goal celebration with this broken wrist thing, which is how they think you do Pangra. Like screw in the light bulb, have a broken wrist. I don't see that, but okay, whatever. I'm also a little bit obsessed with Stevie Nicks and Fleetwood Mac. Not that I haven't been, but again, parlaying that to TikTok. I did have a really cute video call with my niece yesterday who just, you can cut that, Martin. <laughs> yeah, please. <laughs> um, I had a wonderful call, video call with my niece, Zara, who I love dearly. And they live across the city, so they're about an hour away. But she got her first makeup stuff. She's 12. So she went through all the things she got, including clear mascara. I have no idea what clear mascara is, but I sent my daughter, Jahad, out to go get it immediately for it immediately so it was amazing i'm also and i'm afraid to say this in front of Lindsay. i'm so excited about amari studemar joining steve nash at the next i love them both and i'm pulling out my phoenix sun's old jersey so excited brenda i also loved the festival at football people weeks and i also love watching all of the pictures as i said for my what's good last week it runs for a couple of weeks of all the grassroots programs that are going on around the world. Um, big shout out to Zorro's Football Club, which is an LGBTQ football club in Mexico City that's doing amazing work with HIV testing and, and just some wonderful stuff. I was on a panel with Crystal Dunn, and that's kind of my what's good. Because big flex. I know I and even my daughter thought it was really cool so it gave me a lot of points and she's just amazing and I really admire her so that was really exciting and last thing is youth soccer man the drama I can't even tell you yesterday there was a big fight on between the coaches because one had not worn his badge and then the other one let the team score too many points because we have a unicorn rule where you can only win by seven. Mm -hmm. So the coach was hopping up and down and I was just like, this is so fun. This is like Pep Guardiola is like right in front of you. I was going to say, this is like La Liga. <laughs> yeah, I, I love the drama. That's amazing. Now, what are we watching this week? The World Series apparently is a thing. Uh, it's and... super fun. It's amazing. Oh my gosh. The end of game four. Oh, I didn't even watch oh it live, gosh. but I, I spent like an hour in I bed did... this morning watching the replays. Yeah. I don't, I don't know much about the baseball, but I'm excited for everyone who's excited about this. I'm happy yeah. for you. Yeah. And the, t the spending differentials is really a David and Goliath story between the Rays and the Dodgers. I mean, it's kind of neat. I love you, Brenda. Brenda I, I know. I want to <laughs> go to a baseball game with y'all. I think we'd have a lot of fun. I would just eat. Like, I'm all for stadium <laughs> food, but I would appreciate the energy. Also, CONCACAF Men's League Soccer is on. Champs League has started again, so it's very Ooh. exciting. And if anyone's interested in watching women's Super League in the UK, can just watch Vivienne Miedema slay on women's Arsenal side. That's it for this week and Burn It All Down. You can always burn all day and all night with our fabulous array of merchandise, including mugs, pillows, face masks, hoodies, and bags. And what better way to crush toxic patriarchy in sports and sports media by getting someone you love a pillow with our logo on it. Uh, burn It All Down lives on the Blue Wire podcast network, but can be found on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, and TuneIn. 
We appreciate your reviews and feedback, so please subscribe and rate and let us know what we did well, how we can improve. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Burn It All Down Pod and on Twitter at Burn It Down Pod. Or you can email us at burnitalldownpod at gmail.com. Check out our website, burnitalldownpod.com, where you will find previous episodes, transcripts, and a link to our Patreon. We would appreciate you subscribing, sharing, rating our show, which helps us do the work we love to do and keep burning what needs to be burned. This episode has been produced by the genius that is Martin Kessler, also who loves Japanese maple trees, and our social media guru is Shelby Weldon. We wish you all safety and health and whatever joys you can muster during this chaotic and unprecedented time. As Brenda always says, burn on and not out. Fang.